So why? Why do we believe? Why do we believe, and let's look at these again because we want you to commit these to memory. Why do we believe that we can make a difference? Well, you think about this as a church. We have 12 local missions. We have 12 international missions. Last Sunday, 67 of you signed up to work through Project Primavera with big brothers and big sisters. Why, why are we building a wedding chapel to believe that we can equip people for marriage? Why, why do we believe? Why do we believe that we can make a difference? Why do we believe that, um, well, look at the next one. Why do we believe that the church is like the hope of the world? When Jesus walked into Caesarea Philippi, there was no church, no church building, no elders, no preachers. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And not even the gates of Hades can prevail against it. That's an audacious statement. But for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been building his church. Why do we believe the third one? There's no limit. There's really no limit to what God the Father can do. Why do we believe those things? Do we maybe believe those things because it's like the right thing to say, and maybe somehow the power of positive thinking will make them happen? No. Do we believe that because humanity is so great? What's the answer to that question? No. (laughs) Humanity is not so great. Why do we believe that? Because we see in the book of Acts there's a 30-year history. In fact, what the book of Acts is really all about, it is a 30-year history of how the Holy Spirit went to work. And we see supernatural activity. We see God supernaturally impacting the lives of people, and people were never the same. So we believe that we can make a difference because we've already read about it. We've already read about a group of people for over 30 years who turned the world upside down. And we believe that because we've read about it, and we've also known that we begin to experience it ourselves. Everybody in this room, you've had a God moment. Even if you've rejected God or resisted God, you've still had a God moment. And most of you in this room, you've embraced God and you've received God. And so you have those God kisses or those God moments or those God leadings all the time. So why do you believe? You believe because God is real, because he's been real to you. And he is changing you from the inside out. So we believe As you wear your shirts this week and next week and this whole month, you give an answer to somebody. And somebody's going to say to you, what do you really believe? I hope you have an answer. And we're going to equip you and prepare you for that. So Jesus made a statement that on the surface just seemed bizarre. Jesus promised that someone greater than him was coming. And they're going, huh? How can anybody be greater than you, Jesus? You're like the greatest thing that's ever walked the face of the earth. Jesus said, well, you think I'm great. Let me tell you, someone greater than me is coming. Let's go to what he said in the Gospel of John. We'll get to Acts in just a minute, but let's first of all start off with John to what Jesus said. Jesus said, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and yet none of you asks me, asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's another word for Holy Spirit. That's another word for counselor. That's another word for comforter. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, it really gets interesting, verse 8. 
If you can hang with me the next two minutes through these couple, three verses, you can get the rest of it. This gets a little deep for about three minutes, okay? Can you hang with me? All right, here we go. When he comes, which is the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, but he'll also talk about righteousness. He's also made a statement about judgment. And then he he explains it. Look at verse 9. He says, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's going to do about sin. He's going to help people with their sin because people do not believe in me. In other words, when you're trying to share Christ with somebody because you care about them, the Holy Spirit's already been working in them. The Holy Spirit is already working in your friends and your family and your neighbors, your coworkers, convincing them that there is more to life than just what they see. The Holy Spirit is already at work in the, in the lives of your friends and family members, really convincing them that they're not on the right runway. Their airplane's going to careen off the mountain. The Holy Spirit is already at work in the lives of all the people around you, helping them to understand they're not where they need to be. I think that's great news. Because when we then invite people, and we then share our faith, and we tell people what we believe, the Holy Spirit's ahead of us. He's already been communicating to them. So the Holy Spirit is going to tell people about sin because they don't believe in me. But here's the great news, the next verse, about righteousness. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you with understanding righteousness. So many people come to church every week who've given their lives to Christ, who've been baptized into Christ, and you still feel guilty and dirty every single Sunday. You still feel like that no matter what you've done, what hoops you've jumped through, you still feel this weight of shame because what you did back then with him or with her or with that, and you come into church and there's this, there's this cloud of guilt. You know the verses. He has forgiven you of all your sins. He remembers your sins no more. They're as far as the east is from the west. He's buried them in the deepest sea. You know all those verses. But the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you, I cleansed you. I made you clean. And if I made you clean, you ain't dirty anymore. I've changed your life. I've transformed you. And the Holy Spirit then is trying to convince you to live in the righteousness of God. Not your righteousness but in the righteousness of Christ so that you can then go out and make a difference, so you can be the hope of the world, so you can have no limits to your life. So the Holy Spirit is trying to convince you that Jesus Christ has cleansed you of all your sins. And the Holy Spirit's going to win. Look at the next verse. I've already won. About judgment, because the prince of the world now stands condemned. Have you read the end of the book? We win. We, we win. And he teaches us about that. And so Jesus is saying to these disciples, look, I know, you know you're into me and this is going good, but I'm telling you, somebody greater than me is coming. It's really cool. Look at John chapter 14 now. John chapter 14, Jesus says kind of the same thing in a little different way to the disciples. He said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate Someone to come alongside of you, someone to help you do life, someone to help you raise kids, someone to help you with your career. I'll give you an advocate to help you and to be with you forever. He's called the spirit of truth. And verse 17 tells us this, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. So the world doesn't understand the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual thing. It's for believers. 
Believers get the Holy Spirit. People outside of Christ are like clueless. They think you're smoking weed or something. They don't understand. Probably shouldn't have said that. They, they, they have no clue. <laughs> they have no clue what you're talking about. That was funny, but I shouldn't have said it. Okay. But you know him, for he lives with you. This is what Jesus is trying to say. The Spirit's going to live with you, and he will be in you. Remember about three weeks ago when I talked about God's plan A? You see, plan C was a tent called the tabernacle. And that's where God dwelt in this tabernacle out in the wilderness for a long time. But plan B was the building. Plan B was this massive temple. But plan A was always the spirit of the living God. Plan A was God's will to be in a body. Plan C was a tent. Plan B was a building. But plan A was a body. So every Christian in this room, you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. And here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. You can be as full of the Holy Spirit of God as you choose to be. Everybody in this room will have as much of God's Spirit inside of them as they choose to be. All right. Five, six hundred years before Jesus was ever born, um, the prophet Jeremiah said the Spirit was coming. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit was like sporadic. Showed up occasionally, um, kind of individualistic, but never like for everybody for all time. And so here's what Jeremiah says, Jeremiah chapter 31. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of, of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. You see, even 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Jeremiah is talking about, I'm going to put someday my law in their minds, and I'm going to write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. That's plan A. You live in plan A. You live in the church age. You and I live today in the greatest period of history for having the Holy Spirit available in our lives. We live in that day today. So we come to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts then really reveals to us how the Spirit came and how it was going to work. Acts chapter 1. Let's look at this. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. This is Jesus. And Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. I love this. Because after Jesus died, after he was buried, after he rose from the dead, he made post-resurrection appearances for over 40 days. For 40 days, Jesus was still on the earth. And, and this is amazing apologetics, because you think about this, if somebody read this, they go, well, he didn't show up. Well, we didn't see him. Nobody refuted this, because everybody knew it was true. They didn't know, all know what to do with it, but they all knew that Jesus came back from the dead. He appeared to them for a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
And so when did the Holy Spirit come? Where did the Holy Spirit come? It came in Jerusalem. That's how it started. And on Acts chapter 2, we see how the Holy Spirit came. Here's what he says. Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, and Pentecost just means 50, and this is 50 days after the Passover. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. In the last days, God says, verse 17, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. And this is exactly what took place. And you live underneath that. And verse 21, the Holy Spirit then calls people to be saved. And everyone who calls upon the Lord will be saved. Now you read this in Acts and you get excited because you know what could be. You know what the church was like in Acts. You know how all of a sudden when the Spirit came, Peter got real bold. Peter was a coward, but he got real bold. You see the conviction. You see how people changed. You see the conversions. You read the book of Acts, and you see these churches grow and grow and grow and grow like little popcorn. They're just popping up all over the place. And God begins to grow his church in a great way. And you see all that, and that gets you excited. But you go, you know what? I I don't know about that because that was there, and, and I'm here. That was then, and how in the world is the Spirit going to work in my life today? Is that still available today? Can God still work in me today? Does God still want to work in me today so that I can make a difference? So that I can kind of help the church be the hope of the world? Does God still want to do something among us where he has no limits, where he is unhindered? And so we look at that, and I think a lot of us look at that and we go, you know what, that's great. You know, I think that's wonderful what they did in Acts. I think that's wonderful how they got all sold out. I think that's just cool how they went all in. But I don't know about today because of my, my stage of life. And we begin to do the someday thing. You know, someday, you know, I'll give my life to Jesus. Someday I'll go all in. Someday I'll give my life to Christ. Someday I'll get baptized. Someday I'll quit cussing. Maybe not. Someday, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll like get my stuff out of the closet and like deal with it. You know, someday, someday, but someday never occurs because we get lost in the stages of life. In this room, we get lost with our problems and we have such a hard time navigating through life because of all the stuff we have to deal with. And so in the stages of life, we always think it's the next stage is that someday. I can't really go all in today because I'm so busy with my stage today, but maybe I can go all in tomorrow, and maybe tomorrow I'll be less busy with this stage. It never happens. It never happens. So you're 12 years old. How can I be all in for Jesus and I'm in middle school? I'm in high school. For goodness sakes, how can I rise up and let the Holy Spirit work through my life when I'm in high school and most of my peers could care less about spiritual truth? I'm going off to college. Why would I be all in during my college days? Of all the, that's why I'm going to college, to get away from mom and dad, right? And the Holy Spirit's going ding, 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 ding. It's not someday, it's today. 
But you keep maturing, you keep going to the next stage, and you don't like you're trying to find her, you're trying to find him, and you get married, or you're single, or you have kids, or you're starting a career, and you're going to move several different places. I can't be all in for Jesus today. I keep moving every two or three years. I can't be all into a church today. I'm going to keep, you know, going to different states. And so you never get around to going all in. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in retirement. You're thinking, well, I can't be all in now. I don't have the energy, or I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really care today. And, and the stages of life get us lost and confused. My friends, hear me clearly. God does not care what stage you're in. He cares whether or not you're all in. He doesn't care about your stage. You may have just gone through a divorce. You may have just lost a spouse. You may have just had a brother that got, got diagnosed with cancer. The stage of your life is not the point. These people were in all stages of their lives. The point is, in your stage of life, I'm going to be all in because today, today is the day of salvation. And so you and I have this amazing opportunity as we navigate through life, whether we're 12 or whether we're 22, whether we're 92, whether we're working full-time, we're working part-time, we're not working outside the home at all whether we're a stay-at-home mom or we're a single dad, it does not matter your stage of life. The Holy Spirit of God has come to come to live inside of you. And this is the whole point. This is plan A. God, it wasn't about a tent. It wasn't about a building, the, the temple. It is about your body. Your body is what he wants to be filled in, and he wants to live inside of you. That's the goal, is to allow the Holy Spirit to live. In. Now, you've experienced some of that. Some of you like to stay in the shallow end of the pool. Somehow you think that if you just get the water over your toenails, that's like a refreshing experience. That's not where the fun is. The fun's in the deep end of the pool. The fun is the refreshing part because you can't even touch the bottom and you're treading water and he's in control and you're not. So Jesus gives us some amazing truths. And let's go back now to John and John chapter 14. Here's what Jesus says. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. How how in the world can we do greater things than you? I mean, that whole walking on the water thing, that was cool. I don't think I can do that. Do you? I mean, feeding the 5,000, I've had you know, lots of people over for dinner, and lasagna's getting kind of thin. I'd love to pull off the loaves and fish thing. We got you know, more folks than we do you know, forks or whatever. How in the world can we ever do greater things than Jesus? I don't think he's talking about quality. I think he's talking about quantity. He's not talking about you're going to improve upon Jesus' miracles. But now I'm going to put the Spirit inside of you and you and you and you and you. And you're going to go to your work and your school and your place of employment. And you're going to go to your place and you're going to go to your place. And he's going to Georgia and somebody else going to Guam. And everybody, wherever they're going, is going to have the Spirit of God. He's not talking about quality. But because the Spirit is now in all the people. All the people can make this difference. All the people are the hope of the world. All the people now can show people that God is unhindered without limits. So so let's think today, if Jesus hadn't given us the Spirit, what would we do when we needed Jesus? Well, this is what we would do. We would have to get on an airplane, 
and fly to Tel Aviv, rent a car, go to Galilee, try to find a hotel. They'd all be slam-packed because Jesus is there. And everybody's in line to ask Jesus a question. If he hadn't given us the Holy Spirit, Jesus could only be at one place at one time. You wouldn't have to try to find the line. You'd see the line. There'd be millions of people in Jerusalem lined up just waiting to see Jesus. So how long would it take to see Jesus with your question? And all you got, 60 seconds. Everybody's got 60 seconds with Jesus to ask the question. He'd give you the answer. How long would it take you to see Jesus? Well, I just happened to figure that out. So glad you asked that question. Okay? If Jesus worked 14 hours a day, okay, and 60 seconds per person, that means 840 people could see Jesus every day. So in one day, 60 seconds apiece, 840 of us, about the size of this room, could see Jesus in one day, 60 seconds. But if I'm million, the millionth person in line, how long would it take me to get to see Jesus? I'm so glad you asked that question. It would take three years, 3.26 years exactly to see Jesus, to get, to get 60 seconds with him. And yet everybody in this room right now can be praying and talking to God and Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you are. Please, God, shorten this sermon. It's not very good. Please, God, let's, let's go to lunch. Maybe you're all praying that same prayer and it'll happen. I don't know. I don't know, okay? 300 million people in America right now could. They won't, but they could all pray to God at the same time. Seven, eight billion people on the planet all at the same time because he gave us the Spirit. We can do greater things because there's more of us that now possess his Holy Spirit. Let's look at the next out of John 16. This is a cool verse too. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, I think that's one of the greatest promises we've got. He's going to guide you into all truth. Should I buy? Should I sell? Should I date? Should I marry? Should I dump her? Should I get rid of him? And this is one of the greatest verses of all time. He's going to guide you into all truth. He will guide you on truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will reveal to you what you should do, where you should go, and how you should do it. So why wouldn't we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why, why, why wouldn't we do everything we possibly could to have as much of the Spirit of God inside of us as possible. So here's the question. The question is, is how do I attain maximum Holy Spirit flow? If He's going to guide me into all truth, if He's going to tell me things yet to come, if He's going to use me to make a difference, if He's going to allow me to be a part of the hope of the world, His local church, and if He's going to help me to go past limits... How in the world do I attain maximum Holy Spirit flow? Well, again, Jesus gives us the answer. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, Jesus tells us this. He says, ask, and it'll be given to you. And I've asked for things, and they haven't come. I've asked once, I've asked twice, I've asked ten times, they haven't come. Well, he tells you to go a little deeper level. Because some things don't come easily. Some things are more challenging. He not only says ask, but he says what? He says seek. 
And that's another level. That's another level of leaning in. Ask, he says, seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be open. Knocking, you just keep on knocking, keep on knocking. Hey, God, hey, God, I'm troubled. Hey, God, I'm struggling. Hey, God, am I praying the right prayer? Hey, God, is this the right way you want me to go? God, I'm confused. I need clarity. I need direction. I need insight. I need truth. Hey, God, God, God. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So I, I want to wrap this up today and just kind of tell you, I want to give you some very personal examples of what I do. doesn't mean it's what you should do. doesn't mean it's the best way for you to attain maximum Holy Spirit flow. But I thought I want to be as practical as I possibly can for just about five minutes and tell you what I do, at least what helps me. Maybe for you it's Christian music. Maybe you love Christian music flowing through your house. We, we have Christian music in our house a lot. Pandora's going crazy in our house. Maybe for you it's memorizing Scripture. One of my prayer partners loves to memorize Scripture. Maybe the way you grow closer and you get maximum Holy Spirit is through memorizing Scripture. Uh, maybe it's journaling for you. But I, I just want to tell you for just, just a minute or two some of the things that really work for me. Red Snapper season opened this week. <laughs> it's only open for nine days. And uh, I was privileged able to go out twice this week. And I just want to tell you, it was, it was so much fun. But, and, and then I went out Wednesday night. And I went out late Wednesday. And I went out Friday morning. And um, Friday was an unusual trip where a lot of mishaps occurred, but they all kind of ended well. Um, the first one is the guy who owns the boat brings up a giant fish, and he loses it right on the edge of the boat. It, it just dehooked itself right there at the edge of the boat. And we're, I'm taking my shoes off. Where's my cell phone? Where's my wallet? I mean, we're going in after it. And, 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 and we got it. We got the fish. It was, it was amazing how we, we got a declawed fish and got it in. I'm grabbing him. He's grabbing the fish. I got the fish. It was an amazing experience. But I'm then fishing next to a guy who's a surgeon in our church. And I've been fishing for 50 years. I've never seen this. He broke the reel. He's, he's bringing up a giant fish, snaps the reel off. The pole goes one way. The reel's in his hands. I'm holding the pole. He's reeling up. Took all four of us to get that fish in. A half an hour later, mind you, I've never seen this happen in my life. Half hour later, he snaps a second reel. I said, dude, you're a surgeon. If I ever need surgery, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> forget it. Just, you know, your hands, forget it, you know. And it was one of those days, but we're coming in about 45 miles in the afternoon, and I'm on the front of the boat all by myself, and I'm just at the front of that boat just praising God. All you can see is water. You can't see land, a little bit of sky, and I just thought, I love this. I love connecting with my heaven. The wind is just blowing in my face. Thank you, God. Wednesday night, we went out late. And we came in in the pitch black dark, it's 9, 9.30. And I just love being in the dark like that on a boat going Mach 1. Just, maybe that's not your thing, okay? But it's about time alone. It's spending time alone with your heavenly. To get maximum Holy Spirit flow, how do you spend time alone? We have a great park near our house. And on the way home, um, once a week, I'll pull into that park. If you see me, leave me alone, okay? Don't come over to me and ask me any questions. I'm at that park, and I'm just trying to reboot. I'm trying to get my head in the game to be able to go home. My wife doesn't deserve my leftovers, okay? She deserves my best. My kids don't deserve my leftovers. 
They deserve my best. I just go into that park and just kind of spend time alone with my Heavenly Father. Every morning, 350 days out of the year, Danita and I have a devotional together. We share a devotional. We pray together. It's five minutes. It's not an hour and a half. It's five minutes. That puts us on the same page. You see, the key to all this is prayer and Scripture. The key to all your, your spiritual growth is truly prayer and Scripture. And, and, and you know, like vitamins, if you don't eat well, vitamins can give you like this false sense of security, you know. Hey, well, I eat like crap, but I take vitamins, you know. I take, well, that's great. You take vitamins, but you eat like, you know, terrible, poorly. And, and so the, the point is, like, you could say, well, I, I really don't read the Bible, but I come to Christmas Eve services every year. Well, that's good, okay? I don't, I don't really have a prayer life, but I, I come to church once a month. That's good, but that's a false sense of security. Prayer and Scripture are the twin arms that hold you up. Um, I wake up really early in the morning. I used to wish I didn't. Uh, I got so much on my mind, so much going through my head. But I'll wake up about 3 or 3.30 about every morning, and I used to just dread that. Now I embrace it. I don't know if Satan was trying to get me and mess me up, but now I pray. I pray for 30 minutes, sometimes an hour, and I love that middle-of-the-night prayer time. It's a great time. I love having the Bible on my phone, the U version, and I will listen to the scriptures on my phone. Sometimes it's two minutes, sometimes it's 22 minutes, but I will put the Bible on my phone and going from place to place or appointment to appointment, I'll just listen to the scriptures on my phone. That's what I do. That's what helps me to get in the zone of what God wants to do. God has a plan for you in your stage of life doesn't really matter what stage of life you're in. He has a plan for you. Saturday morning, Denny and I were riding bikes, and we have like a 10-mile round trip. And we go five miles one way, five miles the other way. And and the first five miles, I mean, five of those miles, we were against the wind. Do you know how much fun that is? I mean, we're looking at each other. We're both going, oh, my gosh, I can't really catch my breath. She can't catch her breath. And so we're looking at each other. Going, this is terrible. The other direction, when at our back, we're flying, baby. We're cooking. So many of you in this room, if you'll grasp that word picture, you're either riding with or you're resisting the Holy Spirit. It's one of the two. And you know when you're resisting the Spirit of God, you're still saved you're still going to heaven. You're still a believer, but you're resisting the Holy Spirit. And you know that God has a bigger and a better plan for you. And you think, well, someday I'll get there. No, you won't. If you've got a someday mentality, you possibly will never get there. Because again, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when you give your life to Christ, you go all in, Help me to lean in. Help me to go all in. Help me to be in. And I'm going to serve and honor and and praise and please you. So do you want to resist the Spirit of God? I don't think you do. I really don't think you do. I think you want to ride with it. And I really think we want to make a difference. I really believe that we desire to change the world. And I really believe all of us in this room want to go beyond the limits that we're into.
So I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. And maybe this is your day to give your life to Christ. Maybe this is your day you've never given your life to Jesus. That would be a good thing today. That's the first step. You give your life to Christ, you get the Holy Spirit then guiding you. I want to encourage you next Sunday, beach baptism, Honeyman Island Beach. Next Sunday night, we're going to baptize a gazillion of you. Sign up at the guest service desk today. I'm going to encourage you today to get a t-shirt and to wear the t-shirt so that somebody, and you're praying, will somebody ask me, what do you believe? And be ready to give an answer on why you believe. And I'm going to ask you this week, this is your homework this week, get in the book of Acts. Start reading the book of Acts. Start digesting the book of Acts. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. O King of kings and Lord of lords, you've given us your spirit. You, Heavenly Father, have placed your spirit in the life of every believer. And you promised to guide us into all truth. And you promised that we would even do greater things than these. And you promised that you would just tell us of things that are yet to come. We believe that you have a mission for us. Every person, every day, no matter what stage of life, you have a mission for us. And may we fulfill that boldly and humbly today. God, we believe in you. And we want to go all in today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.